Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 58, released on October 28th, 2009. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me, as always, is Neil Bailey. G'day, Neil. Hey, Steve, how you doing? What are you gonna What are you gonna be for Halloween? Actually, no, we don't really do Halloween here in Australia, being a being that it's an American tradition. But uh, you know, a few kids around the neighbourhood pick up on it and uh, dress up. And some years we get some uh, trick or treaters, but uh, most years not. So it's not really that big a deal over here. But um, yeah, no costume or anything for me this year. Oh, you could always dress up and go running down the street, and they might, you know, uh, put you in an insane asylum. Yeah, but, uh, I'd probably get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I've got uh, I've got a really really bad Green Lantern costume. It's uh, <laughs> it's basically galoshes I spray painted green with a pair of Goodwill bright neon green pants that I'm gonna wear over black sweats. I wore it to a through a superhero themed wedding recently. It's quite horrendous and awful. Dear God. Well, uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> let's... Let's, uh, if anybody's in the neighbourhood uh, of Neil Bailey, uh, watch out. Uh, be careful. You, uh, your, yeah, eyes, the, your eyes might bleed. They, they'll know it's me because the Black Lanterns will be coming <laughs> for me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our discussion topics. Uh, off the bat, let's start talking about Smallville Season 9. It's obviously the, the number one news item that keeps popping up on the Superman homepage uh, with new episodes uh, you know, kicking off this year or this season. Uh, what has your impressions been so far? Well, so far I've been pretty disappointed, as uh, you know the re- reviews kind of say. But uh, I mean, I've been—I uh, don't know. It just seems like they took they—they they, they went with that whole kind of Superman being dark is cool direction, and then they were like, uh, "Hey, look, Oliver's suicidal. How cool is that?" You know, and they're just not stories that appeal to me. I like hopeful stories, and I like stories with a strong hero, and I like stories with a strong supporting cast. And so far, that hasn't really been delivered this year for me. Yeah, I've, it's funny, of the four, what is it, five episodes we've seen now? How many have we seen? Yeah, yeah, five. Five episodes. The The first two, you know, the start of the season opener, yeah, not too bad. Uh, you know, they're always a little bit epic in scale. And um, the one that I thought would be the most disappointing ended up being the best episode of the season so far, and that was the one with the zombies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was actually okay. <laughs> Strangely enough, yeah, it wasn't. Or maybe we went in with the impression that it was going to be really bad being a zombie episode, and so our expectations were pretty low, and then it didn't really uh, meet those low expectations. So if you know, we're looking at it going, gee, that wasn't too bad after all. Where the ones where you go in expecting, you know, high, um, have high expectations, come away with being a little bit disappointed, especially this last one, the uh, roulette episode. Um, you know, like... Okay, Oliver Queen's a cool character and all, but this is a Superman show. This is supposed to be about Clark Kent becoming Superman. Why do we need Oliver-centric episodes? But he's so dreamy, Steve. So dreamy. The thing is, people saying, oh, you know, they can't all be about Clark. And I say, why? Why can't they all be about Clark? (laughs) This is supposed to be a Clark Kent show. Why can't they all be about Clark? We only get 22 a a season. You know what I think caused that? I think that's the whole Star Trek mentality because Star Trek went on a bender for about ten straight years, where they they were like, "Okay, this is going to be the Geordi episode. Okay, this is going to be the Picard character builder episode. That whole that whole concept of a character builder episode thing is, and it's probably been around for a lot longer than Star Trek. But that's where I kind of noticed it was really emphasized, and they kind of do that in Smallville occasionally. It's like this is going to be the episode where we talk about Lana, or this is going to be the one where Chloe talks about her feelings with Jimmy, you know, and and it just kind of derails things it's an attempt at, at character but 
really when you spend so long being devoid of character in a lot of respects it's kind of kind of an empty exercise but then again when you haven't got many special effects to rely on or when the budget is hit you got to go that direction but there are better ways to do it like there was as i think i gave it a, a three of five but there was that one with lex and clark buried underground that was all right for an exposition of character episode and uh they, they can do it well they just they often kind of devolve into these weird cliches like what they did with this last one with ollie like oh yeah let's seek everything we can throw in the book i'm surprised there was no ticking time clock in that episode you know <laughs> Yeah, a countdown of some kind. But uh, yeah. you mentioned like you know the, the special effects. They use them in the wrong places, as far as I can see. Like yeah. Clark, Clark going and saving that girl from that car who was being mugged or she was being you know carjacked or whatever it was. You know, really, you look at that and you think, well, they put it in there because we need to see a Superman save. You know, in this episode, being that it's so Oliver centric. Yet it's the one seen in the in the in that episode that pulled me out so badly because you know not only has clark nearly killed this guy that's been the carjacker but he's destroyed the girl's car that he's saving yeah or, or like last episode i think it was where where clark basically um spends time um with lois trying to you know and you know it's played for laughs and he's like sitting there using his freeze breath for the first time in two straight seasons on coffee or you know things of that nature where it's just like kind of thrown in weirdly in these and and if they strategically used it if they said okay we're gonna have episodes where he doesn't even use the power except for in kind of cutaway ways and then bam they had one really big episode and i suppose that's kind of what they try and do i guess but then there are times where they just waste the waste the effect and it's like what the heck is going on mm. but well I was just, I just you just as you're mentioning that uh I, I, a funny idea came to mind, funny thought came to mind that uh, that uh, tom welling's ear has to be the most filmed ear in <laughs> the history of tv yeah, they used to. Well, that's the thing too. That's that. That kind of reminds me of how much the budget has changed too, because they used to do that whole like they're like we're gonna be really cool and go all the way into his ear and show it vibrating. You know, it's like now it's just like eh, show the side of his head and vibrate the camera a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Who but, cares? Uh, <laughs> it's season nine. I'm on a union break. But, <laughs> you uh, know? Yeah, but the uh, the whole Oliver episode, you know, and that was so out of character for Chloe. Like you said in your review, you know. Uh, Let's bury him in a uh, in a casket, uh, you know, as Chloe, who was somebody who got buried alive yeah. herself in a past episode, and yeah, that was such an enjoyable experience. Let me do that for Oliver. Or like, how can we make him introspective? I know. Let's hit him with the Mack truck. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, come uh, on. I think I think come Doug on. said it in his review that uh, the best part of the episode was that early Clark and Lois uh, whole th you know that whole thing where we're going to have a movie night and you know Clark being uncomfortable with her sitting there, and yet it all was because of her supposed feelings for Oliver that she'd already dealt with in the past, and yet here they yeah. are being drudged up again for some drinking um, you know, uh, anniversary that they have that we've never heard of before. Yeah, it was it was really arbitrarily kind of like back to Chloe Oliver shipping, and it's like, why would you do that since it's been, what, what it's been at least a, a year and a half no, no, they closed. They finished it up last season, yeah, right? Didn't the they close that off? Wasn't it? Yeah, that's what it was. And 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 ever since then, it hasn't really been mentioned much. Like Doomsday, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, he's gone, or like like uh, like uh, oh god, the guy from season four, uh, the Teague. 
uh, Jason T. Oh, yes. uh, you know, like things like it's it's like that kind of it's it's that obscure, and yet all of a sudden it's there and back, and and it's just forced so that they can have the Oliver centric episode. And I don't know, I, I I think that, but I'm with you. Like I was watching that beginning Clark and Lo- Lois scene, and I was sitting there like, oh, this could this could turn into something I could really buy into and like and enjoy. And when they focus on Lois and Clark's stuff. And do it well. Usually, continuity, irrespective series, irrespective, I can enjoy it. Like, yeah, um, yeah. like that se- that episode last season where they had uh, Lana come back. You know, right before they come back, they build the scene and it kind of culminates with Lois and Clark, and they're about to kiss. And then you're like, "Now have some Lana, <laughs> suck on that, suckers." You know, and you're like, "No, it Jesus was getting good." I yeah. waited seven years for it to get good. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's go away from bashing Smallville. To yes, looking, yes. Looking forward to something that could be quite good. And whenever Jeff Johns is involved in anything, it usually is quite good. Uh, yes. We've got Society uh, episode coming up. It's actually going to be for the first time that I can ever remember in Smallville a double episode on this on the one story where uh, Society will be teamed with the second episode called Legends uh, that will look at the Justice Society coming to Smallville. That's awesome, and and if I remember correctly, I mean, I'd not to toot your horn for you, but uh, didn't you ask that question on uh, on on um, Twitter? Yes, I did ask him if it was a double episode, and uh, he replied back saying that yes, uh, it would be, and that Tom Welling's actually directing the second part, the second episode. That's awesome. You know, it just goes to show, and and for you folks out there, me and Steve have been popping on Twitter, and I was an anti-Twitter guy for a while, but that's also a good place to get uh, news for Smallville, and 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 we're using that as a resource of late. It's it's really pretty pretty cool. Not necessarily, you know, like you don't have to say I'm going to the bathroom right now, but if you go on there and and you look at like the Jeff Johns stuff, the Greg Rucka stuff, you you can get a lot of good information about the comics and what's going on. Yeah, it's uh. It's- becoming a real tool for people to get little news tidbits out there without going into spoiler territory. And, um, you know, Jeff Johns is one of those people that doesn't mind uh, putting out a few little tidbits of information that uh, can really, you know, uh, become good leads for for, for bigger stories. But, um, yeah, the Justice Society will be made up of three members that we know of. Um, They've all been cast at this point in time. We've got uh, Hawkman, we've got Dr. Fate, and we've got an interesting one, Stargirl. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Star Girl, and and uh, the history behind that character is is such that uh, that Jeff Johns should be able to write her really well and passionate in person. Um, I'm confused about one thing though. The uh, didn't Hawkman appear last season? Like, wasn't he that guy that mentored Lana? Kind of in a way, didn't they call didn't they call the guy Carter Hall? Uh, I think they might have uh, referred to Carter, but I don't know if they necessarily said that he was. Uh, Hawkman, but um, I'd have to look into that. Yeah, that's interesting. Because um, I remember harping on that in the review, saying, "Hey, this is their version of Hawkman. What's going on here?" And 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 I could have sworn it was Carter Hall. Maybe I'm crazy. Hmm, we'll have to look into that. But uh, we've heard that yes, Hawkman will have wings, which is uh, yeah. You you know you're always uh, uh, joking around about uh, you know the skate, but he's going to be on a skateboard. <laughs> he's going to be on a skateboard. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Jeff Johns has said he's seen the costumes, especially for Stargirl, and he was pretty wrapped. So uh, exciting! Uh, you know, they're actually really paying uh, the JSA their dues and um, giving you know us a hopefully a two-part episode that will go down as one of the best in uh, Smallville history. 
I hope so. I mean, one thing's for sure, when they did the Legion episode, even if they got certain elements of story a little bit off, or if they got certain elements of the character a little off, it was the actual characters from the comic. You could tell. The Persuader was just... I mean, action sequence, you know, whether it was good or bad, that was the Persuader coming at Clark, you know? It was awesome. Yeah, the only, only thing, I guess, is the downside of this is the fact that all these characters are coming in with their costumes, and yet we've still got... Superman, who's supposed to be the first, or, okay, the JSA, you know, were a precursors to the Justice League, but, you know, here we've got Clark, who's supposed to be the first superhero, and he's still without his Superman costume, he's still without his Superman name, he's, everyone's got Hawkman, we've got Aquaman, we've got, you know, all these other characters, Green Arrow, you know, but uh, we haven't got Superman, we've just I, got at this the point. Yeah, at this point, I don't understand what the fear is of declaring him Superman, and uh, giving him the suit. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen it for about a year now. Why, If they're going to keep the show going for nine years or ten years, just just do it. I mean, that's what I hear from all the fans, you know, and I, I, didn't, I didn't think it could be a viable thing, but if you just jump straight to it, even if you don't change the name of the show, it's still the show. They could, but uh, I don't know. It seems like um, they just... They're trying to milk the concept, I guess, but they don't need to in order to keep viewers. The more they move towards Superman, the more the viewers are in there. You know, if they made him fly, it's not like they'd be, you know, everybody would be like, oh, you broke the no flights, no tights rule, you know? Exactly, would be rejoicing. <laughs> but, yeah, they'd be dancing in the street. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're moving more into the whole Superman lore, the whole Superman mythology, without moving him into being Superman. That's all I can see. Yeah, well, knowing Metallo before he's Superman is kind of weird in and of itself, but, like, there is not a major character that he hasn't met before he becomes Superman, and most of them know his secret. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but um, the other one that we're looking forward to is Idol, which the title of the episode is, which will bring yeah. in the Wonder Twins, and they've actually yes. said they are the Wonder Twins. There's Anne yes, and Jaina. Can, there's Anne and Jaina, yes, and, and, and I am actually... <laughs> Uh, even if they play it for last, if they can swing that, I, I'd go for it. Yeah, well, that, that I mean, be it's good. better than doing some kind of a lame version that's supposed to be them but isn't really them. You know, like, don't play uh, lip service without actually going the whole hog, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and that's what, what they're doing they... with Clark, but uh, they're, doing, they're going the whole hog with all these other, you know, uh, visiting characters. Now, now, am I crazy? But if I remember right, didn't the casting call for the Wonder Twins say that uh, that uh, Zan had a skateboard, like he was did, like a skateboarding guy? He's a skater dude. <laughs> oh God. Okay. All right. I'm gonna try and be nice. I'm gonna really try. <laughs> well, you know, he, mm, I don't know. I mean, that might fit for Zan because he is, you know, necessarily yeah. he isn't necessarily an adult, and he's, yeah. you know, uh, who knows what uh, these teenage kids uh, in the, a Smallville universe do, but. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they play that and uh, whether if, they're as campy as they were in the Super Friends or whether they've even got pointy ears or purple outfits or what the whole idea is. But, uh, yeah, they're Zan and Jaina. They're not uh, Twyla and Tanner, as they were originally called in the casting uh, yeah. sheets. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Well, I'll tell you right now, if they if they have Gleek, if Gleek appears, I will <laughs> give it an automatic 5 of 5. Well, you've got to say there's got to be some kind of a monkey reference, even if it's just a joke. But uh, yeah, you know, they've got to pay uh, pay some kind of fan service to Gleek somewhere. You would think. Yeah. Well, here and now, here and now, mark my words. If there is a monkey and it is named Gleek and it appears in that episode, I will give it a five of five. I don't care if it's the worst episode I've ever seen. <laughs> well, there you go. You heard it here first, folks. So uh, look for a Wonder <laughs> Twins episode titled "Idol" to be a five out of five. Yeah. 
All right, well, let's move into the Superman comics. Uh, was it, or before I do, was there anything you wanted to, else you wanted to say about Smallville? Nope, nope, I'm squared away. Okay, Superman comics. Uh, the one comment that I keep seeing in the website on the website in regards to the reviews is that the new Krypton saga is dragging on too long. Uh, do you agree or disagree with this comment? I, I, I disagree, but mostly because I'm really, really enjoying New Krypton. For someone who is not enjoying it, it'd probably be dragging on long. Much like, you know, like, anything that you get slogged in that you don't like, it will, will feel like it's dragging on forever. I know there were times during the Azarello run, and that was just 12 issues, where I was like, will this ever end, you know? But, um... I, I, I'd have to disagree just on that basis, but I don't think that would invalidate someone who was like, it's going too long. But I do see that it could culminate to something really awesome, and it looks like they said something like they were doing planning a sequel series or something. Yeah, yeah, they're um, saying 2010 is going to be a big year for Superman uh, in following up from the World of New Krypton um, saga. Yeah, I can only imagine it'd have to do something like, like, because it looks like it's all leading to some kind of dramatic confrontation. It's obvious that Sam Lane is looking for war and that General Zod is trying to, uh, to prep his people for something. And I would bet, you know, my guess would be that the second series would be something like along the lines of, uh, of the battle. That would yeah. be, you know, because you could do 12, easily 12 issues about a war between Earth and New Krypton. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm, it could be something completely different, but that sounds like a really interesting concept to me, and it's already kind of proven itself with that Thanagarian um, issue, mm -hmm. that they can do space concept and the politics really, really well, and I think that could be something really neat. I guess the where I understand the, uh, the criticism so far is that uh, in the books that aren't actually the one where Kal-El's in it with you know, uh, the World of New Krypton title itself, I'm loving that. But I can understand where you look when you look at action comics and Superman and even Supergirl to a degree, and they seem to be dragging along their storylines because of the fact that Superman isn't on Earth and Superman is still on New Krypton and he's dealing with his whole army, uh, which is an interesting thing in and of itself. But those comics with you know without Superman in them, you've got you know the death of Monel and whether or not Supergirl and Nightwing and Flamebird are you know being. Um, uh, set up for you know f as his murderers. Um, you've got you know what's going on with Lana. Uh, you know you've got Lois. You know dealing with all those issues and you know Morgan Edge is you know spewing forth all his uh, propaganda and Cat Grant and you've got all those kind of character things that are going on there. But then without Superman and so they kind of have uh, a feel of you know these is, there's a bit of padding going on in these stories because of the fact that Superman is still dealing with what he's dealing. With on New Krypton, I, I think I want that Jimmy Olsen thing dealt with too. They had the Jimmy Olsen special that just kind of abruptly killed him, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And and then like uh, it's obvious that he's well, it's not. I, I shouldn't say it's obvious, but it seems apparent to me that he's not dead. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems like if you were going to introduce that kind of storyline, you'd want to deal with it kind of quickly instead of going into like um, like Zatara, for instance, is a good example in the last Superman issue I read. They they, they jumped to Zatara when Jimmy Olsen's, you know, like... Uh, there, there seems to be a lot of peripheral character focus in the Superman book, at least. Yeah, well, um, like, you've got Mirabai and what's going on there with uh, Captain Adam, and there seems to be a lot of threads, and they seem to be leading somewhere, but they don't seem to be uh, coming together any time soon. Yeah, I think I, I actually like the concept of Mirabai because that's one of like the ultimate nullifiers for Superman. You throw him into a magical world, he's utterly borked. But I want to see Superman get there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, there are a lot of interesting ideas there. I just think they seem to be stretching out 
a bit long, and people would probably like to see it uh, a bit more concise and, uh, you know, like to, like to see those threads come together. But all in all, you know, I'm enjoying the whole idea. And I, you know, it's nice to see the Superman books um, traveling down a road together. They're all p- pointing to a certain direction, and you know where they're going. There aren't really any uh, inconsistencies between the stories that are going on between the books. I think I just they they're dragging on some of the story plots, uh, stretching them between issue to issue, just to get to the same point down the track with this whole world of New Krypton stuff. Yeah, it feels kind of like the uh, the old like back when they were all interconnected. I mean, obviously it is the same in many respects, but uh, it, it seems like uh, sometimes it's going to wax, sometimes it's all going to wane. But there seems to be an overall plan, yeah. which is just cool. Yeah, the I, overall I, plan I think is a is a great way to go. It's just like you said, some of the books seem to be waxing and waning, where others seem to be, you know, getting to the point, uh, you know, more direct manner. But yeah. um, the uh, without trying to spoil anything for anybody, the solicitations for I think what is it, January next year, uh, pointed towards a uh, interesting climax for Lana's uh, current illness. You know, I for some reason I I remember only like one or two mentions of it. Now it seems to be a really big thing. I don't know. I, I the Lana hasn't really been a she's been a major part of the Supergirl book for a couple of issues, but she hasn't really been back long enough to have that kind of imp, have that have as much impact as I'm imagining. They're they're guessing that solicitation would have had. You know. Yeah, I think maybe you know because. There is something well we're being led to believe that there's something more to what she knows or what she's hiding or what she's not telling Kara. You know, uh, Thara has said that you know to Kara that uh, there's you know something I need to tell you about Lana, and uh, we don't find out what that is. It's being told to her off off screens as it was, but um, you know maybe she'll not be able to divulge her information uh, before something drastic happens to her. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually, it, the, the inclusion of uh, peripheral characters that haven't been examined much lately in that book, Lucy Lane and Cat Grant and uh, Lana Lang, has actually really, that's been probably the most impressive part of the book for me. The fact that Supergirl has a supporting cast yeah. and that it's people I care about alone is, is a miracle in the last 15 years, you yeah, know? Well, Peter David's Supergirl was great for that. It had a great supporting cast. Um, at the time when those books were doing pretty well, but uh, you know, obviously we've got a different Supergirl now, and uh, for lack, she did suffer for the lack of having a supporting cast, and uh, it's good to see that uh, Lana and Cat Grant and those kind of peripheral characters, which are known characters, uh, you know, are being uh, strong influences in the book. Yeah, at least they're better than Power Boy or Terra Man or whatever she was going through before. You know, <laughs> very good. Well, uh, you've obviously- oh yeah, you know. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go, no, keep going. Uh, I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say. I mean, she's not putting cigarettes out in her hand anymore. No, that's <laughs> you know, right. she's not getting spikes out of her back and all those crystal yeah. spikes out of her back and all those kinds of things. But uh, yeah. yeah, so Supergirl's looking up, but uh, obviously she's tied very heavily into the Superman storyline at the moment and uh, will continue to be for the foreseeable future. Uh, moving on, uh, you're obviously reading the Blackest Night comic books, where I haven't yeah. been. I've only been reading Blackest Night Superman. Um, but uh, what what's your feelings on the impact that it will have to the Superman universe? 
you know, it looks like they're just trying to throw specials to a lot of the main characters and not putting them, putting them too much in Blackest Night. Uh, Blackest Night seems to be kind of, I don't know, you, you said you haven't read the main nice. series. Um, it seems to be focusing more on um, kind of building up a couple of side characters that have had to deal with death. Uh, Firestorm, Aquaman, Hawkman, and Hawkgirl. Um, it, it's, it's also focusing on a lot of Green Lantern characters. So far, Superman hasn't played too big a role. I think they were trying to relegate that more to the to the Superman special. Yep. And the Superman special was just kind of like, oh, aren't these interesting things that happen if you raise the dead in the Superman universe, as opposed to tying it into the larger plot, and that made it a little bit weaker for me. I don't think it's going to have a major impact on Superman, at least so far, but knowing that Jeff Johns is involved and knowing that he has big plans for Superman coming around the pike, or at least plans for being involved... Um, one would assume that it's going to at least have some thread in there for the next four issues. Okay, yeah, because the Superman uh, special of Blackest Night, you know, it's been, like you said, interesting, interesting ideas, but it hasn't been a fantastic story. You know, Superman and Superboy teaming up is great to see, and it's always great to see Martha involved in some capacity, as well as Crypto. But uh, as a story itself, it, you know, it's more just, uh, oh, look, you know, dead people coming back to haunt Superman and his uh, family. I was upset to a degree that the one person that we would expect to rise from the dead and haunt Superman didn't. Um, I mean, I was waiting for the whole series, all three issues, for Pa Kent to have his peace, you know? Mm. Um, and that seems to be, like, the the obvious thing. And my, my only, my only um, response to that would be that I'm guessing it's got to happen in Blackest Night, and it was supposed to be not touched upon, because that's probably where you would want to touch on such a big emotional beat. And if it doesn't happen, I'd be really upset. Yeah, well, it was the focus of that first issue's cover, wasn't it, with uh, Kal-El of Earth 2, you know, the Black Lantern Kal-El uh, standing over Jonathan's grave, you know, his tomb. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of the draw card for people to read the issues, but uh, it never happened. Yeah, it didn't even it didn't even come close. I mean, even uh, they threatened well, it, but that was about it. Yeah, yeah, and and they could do the whole thing. Like in the book, they have one character that they uh, that that the Black Lantern ring tries to go to, and it says it can't it can't resurrect that person because that person is at peace. And wow. if they had done that with Jonathan Kent, that would have been okay. Um, but he kind of he kind of died in a chaotic way. So we'll see. We'll yeah, see. we will see. So that's Blackest Night. Uh, if you're reading the main issues. Um, that's Neil's uh, response to how it's you know dealing with uh, impacting on Superman, and uh, the miniseries itself was uh, yeah it's it's an interesting read but uh, not it didn't hit it out of the park so to speak. Uh, but they are as we spoke about earlier uh, heading towards a uh, a big year for Superman in 2010. Dan Didio has been pretty vocal in saying you know the world of New Krypton stuff is. You know, going to be leading into a big thing for Superman in 2010. They've got some big plans there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they do go with Superman ne uh, next year. It's got to be a culmination of the new Krypton thing, coupled with Luthor and Brainiac. I'll bet you anything. I bet you they're going to try and drag. But I, I, I would not be surprised to see Luthoriac. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I well, think well, I... You know, that's been a thread that's kind of just floated away out there, the whole Brainiac Luthor escaping together, which, uh, you know, got to be somewhere down the track has got to be the main focus of what their major threat will be to Superman. 
They've been keeping Luthor and Brainiac on a leash for most of a year now, and I think they're just going to bring it back with the vengeance and go nuts because they laid the groundwork with work with Brainiac, and they had uh, they took Luthor from business villain back to physical villain, and he's been gone for a while. I just feel it in my bones. They're going to do something next year. Mm, very interesting. All right. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to touch on with uh, the comic books? Nope, not really. Okay. Well. Uh... The only other thing we wanted to mention uh, in our discussions was Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. The uh, the DVD did so well that um, Warner Premiere are looking at doing a sequel uh, to that uh, animated movie. And uh, it's not known yet what they will do, but uh, it's speculated upon that they'll obviously try to um, you know, touch in on the Superman comic books, uh, the Superman, Batman title, and the stories that came after the Batman Sorry, the Public Enemies uh, storyline from Jeff Loeb. And uh, we ran a poll, and obviously most fans would like to see the Supergirl origin that uh, was written into the Superman-Batman title uh, be the sequel to Superman-Batman Public Enemies. What are your thoughts? That'd be cool. As long as it has another line at the end, like, consider yourself impeached, you know? Like, they could, <laughs> they could totally get that. You know, Supergirl saying it, it might be a little more girly, but, you know, that was, it was a pretty awesome movie. Yeah, Batman, uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies was great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Okay, it wasn't, uh, you know, um, so it wasn't filled with great story, so to speak. But there was a lot of action, which is what we haven't really seen in some of the animated movies of late. And um, the way the fight scenes were done uh, just played out so well, and it was just a real, you know, buzz to be watching such a, a an action-packed movie. It was it was it gave me the feel of the Superman Doomsday movie, um, and and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I watched the Wonder Woman direct to DVD, and and I didn't have as much fun, but um, I watched the uh, I, I got the same kind of feel. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I enjoyed Public Enemies and uh, the sequel. You know, if they do the Supergirl origin, I think that'll be uh, a good way to go. Obviously, there are parts in there that uh, led on to other stories that weren't that great in the Superman Batman title, but. The early uh, you know issues were very well done, and it's a unique way of bringing Supergirl into the uh, DC Universe animated universe, if you like, uh, for the movies, and um, would be a great story. I think it was uh, you know Batman's whole you know what who is she, and you know he's being very suspicious of Supergirl, and while Superman was just thrilled to be able to meet his cousin for the first time, it's you know it, it could be a great animated movie. Yeah, and and given the way you know the story, the movie itself focused a lot on Power Girl, and obviously she became kind of a good breakout character in that movie. It's easy to see how that energy would translate to Supergirl in a follow-up movie. Yeah, so uh, we look forward to seeing what they do decide to do with a animated movie sequel to Public Enemies. Uh, we'll keep on that uh, story and uh, post any details that come out. But obviously, before that, we've got a Justice League. Um, What's it? Uh, something of two crisis of two Earths, I think it is. Yeah, uh, looks like a looks like an Earth three show. Mm, so uh, we look forward to that. Obviously, before any sequel to Batman, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, but uh, we'll keep on that story as well. Okay, well that's our discussions. Let's move into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's question was, what do you think of Smallville so far for Season 9? We only received two responses, so uh, the first one was a recorded audio answer from Mikey B, who you'll recall last 
show did the same thing, recorded his audio response. So here's Mikey B, what he had to say uh, in regards to Smallville Season 9 so far. Hey Steve, hey Neil, Mikey B checking in with uh, my early impressions of Smallville Season 9. Episode 1 and 2 uh, was all Metallo. Um, certainly made the show, certainly was the, the in most interesting character. Yes, Clark doing the super saves was fun. And, you know, setting up the story is, is always exciting for the season. But uh, he was def uh, Brian Austin Green was definitely the best part of Episode 1 and 2. Episode 3, yeah. Well, um, you know, we got back to some of the good Lois and Clark interactions, and that's important. Uh, the rest of the episode left me a little stale. Uh, episode 4 with Toy Man. Had a lot of fun with that episode. I thought they did a good job. Um, again, plenty of Lois and Clark interaction. It was fun. Uh, with hit, with uh, Clark being able to read Lois's mind, I, I thought that was a, a a nice little twist, and a great line where uh, he loses the power and says, you know, thanks, Dad. So, uh, but I think we have a lot to look forward to too. I think the JSA's episode is going to be something to look forward to, and uh, I think we're off to a good start. So, um, I, I got I got uh, good feelings about this season. I think it's going to be uh, one. Of, I think it's going to be one of the best. Okay, well, talk to you later. So there you have Mikey B with his response into what he thought of Smallville Season 9 so far for the first four episodes is what he got up to. Uh, what did you think of some of the stuff he said? That's pretty cool. I think he's, it's good to have th th that he's enjoying it. That's one thing that I always like to hear is when folks are having a good time watching the show and enjoying it and, and it, that it's living up to what they want it to be. And I think that Metallo was actually pretty well realized. I don't know if the story supported it, but just the visualization and the acting was pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, um, well, we had uh, we had some concerns about Brian Austin Green, but he ended up being probably stole yeah. the show to some to some degree. Definitely, I think that uh, if they bring him back, it could turn into something awesome if they start ramping up the action a little bit and give him a little bit of you know motion forward. It's cool. Yeah, well, we've definitely got his heart out there with Toy Man playing with it at the moment. So uh, you know there are uh, there is room for Metallo to uh, to come back. So oh yeah, and see what they do there. Okay, who have we got next? Oh, we got Calvin Bose. He wrote, "Stop making dark Superman stuff." Amen. Neil said to the side. This is the problem with the season opener of Smallville, just like the problem with the Superman Returns flick. For some reason, they feel like they need to make Superman darker, sort of like Batman. Well, I have a newsflash. Superman is not Batman. Why can't producers see that Superman is fun and positive, not dark and grim? Please, this year, give us that Superman. I agree. You know, it's a, I, that's part of the fun of Superman is the unabashed optimism, you know? Yeah. Well, I think uh, Green Arrow said it best at the end of that uh, most recent episode, uh, where he said to Clark, you know, what's with the dark trench coat look, you know? I can uh, set you up with a good tailor who can uh, give you a bit of colour. Yeah, you know, if if they were going to say it's a Kryptonian suit of some kind, well, you know, like, uh, you didn't see the uh, Kryptonians when we visited Krypton last season uh, looking like that. No, well, uh, from what we've seen so far, the, they wear army fatigues. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's that? And, new... and you samurai swords. Don't forget the samurai <laughs> swords. Right, sorry, samurai swords. How could I forget? Uh, what's our new big question for this show? Well, we got. Uh, what did you think of Superman, Batman, Public Enemies? Yes. Uh, get. Uh, let us know what you thought of the animated movie. Uh, Neil and I have given our opinions, thinking that it was pretty good. So let us know what you thought. Uh, you can respond to this big question by using the. Big question feedback form found at the Superman homepage. 
you can either send in your text uh, email uh, and Neil and I will read that out or you can do like Mikey B did and record your own audio mp3 file and send that in and we'll include it in the next Radio KAL podcast so let us know what did you think of Superman Batman Public Enemies Two decades in the future the world is a different place Barky Hey Barky What's up? What's your number man under Superman? Give me anything that'll knock me flat. A world of destruction and death. What people? Look around, kid. There ain't nobody left. Anyone still alive would thank me. This ain't no way to live life. But even when all hope seems lost, you've got to take out those thrusters. Head to the dark side. <laughs> There is one who still stands tall. Earth is under my protection. See what becomes of the future in Superman, the last son of Krypton, issue 58, on October 28, 2009. Only at PendantAudio.com. Teaching a bad guy to be a good guy isn't all fun and games. There were over a hundred people on that floor, and the fire cut them off from the stairs. I had to get them all out so I could put out the fire without endangering any of them. That's my job. <sighs> Haven't you learned anything? I learned you need to drink real coffee. There could be more to tell than meets the eye. What do you mean? Oh, nothing, nothing. And telling the good guys from the bad guys. Sometimes it's like every time I talk to her, she just has to rush off because she's forgotten something. <laughs> Is that so? Is harder than it looks. Look out! That's some grip you've got there. Like steel or something. Don't miss the next episode of Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton. Coming October 28th at PendantAudio.com. Time for Bailey's Bookshelf. Go, Bailey! Isn't he rocking it out with the uh, pod, or with the Crisis to Crisis? Yes, uh, him and Jeffrey Taylor are doing a great job with the From Crisis to Crisis podcast, the weekly podcast that looks at the John Byrne, well, starting with the John Byrne Man of Steel uh, miniseries and moving right up to... You know the this uh, throughout the whole years uh, from 1986 onwards. So yeah, uh, great sorry, job. Just... No, great job, Michael and uh, and Jeffrey on that uh, podcast. But uh, here's Michael doing Bailey's bookshelf, looking at a Superman trade paperback from who knows when. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Bailey's bookshelf, the monthly feature here at Radio KAL, where I walk over to the bookcase and choose another Superman trade or hardcover to chat about for five or so minutes. This month, we go back to 2006, when the vast majority of Superman fans were waiting with bated breath or bated other stuff for the release of Superman Returns. Some of us liked the film. Some of us didn't like the film. And I could probably go on for well over five minutes with all of the problems and such that I had with the movie. But this isn't that kind of party. But I did pick a trade related to that movie to discuss this month. 
Superman Returns, the movie and other tales of the Man of Steel, reprints the comic book adaptation of the film, in addition to reprinting several other Superman stories. They did something similar to this when Batman Begins came out, so it wasn't much of a surprise when this hit the stands. The adaptation was... decent. I'm... I'm, I'm not a fan of comic book adaptations published after 1985, I guess I would say, because, well, they, they don't serve much of a function, really. I mean, once the adaptations started becoming glorified one-shot specials, I never really saw the point. I mean, why only devote 64 or so pages when, you know, you could really explore the story with a miniseries, but that's neither here nor there. In all honesty, I I really didn't care for the adaptation, though that didn't stop me from buying this trade and the one-shot version, because I'm an addict, so there you go. But I will say this about the comic book version of Superman Returns. They showed the scene with Superman visiting the dead world of Krypton and didn't let a certain cat out of the bag regarding piano-hurling children. Kind of wish the movie had followed suit. Anyway, other than that, the trade reprints the origin of Superman as presented in The Amazing World of Superman, Metropolis Edition number 1, which was written by E. Nelson Bridwell, with art by Carmine Infantino, Kurt Swan, and Murphy Anderson. This is my absolute favorite version of the pre-crisis Superman's origin. It's beautifully told, the art is fantastic, God, I love the story. There is also a Night at the Opera from Adventures of Superman number 575, which was plotted by Stuart Immerman, scripted by Mark Miller. Yeah, that Mark Miller, you know, Ultimates, all that kind of stuff. Wanted, yeah, that Mark Miller. And pencils by Yannick Paquette, which I probably just butchered. This is followed by The Second Landing, which was originally printed in Superman number 185 and was written by Jeff Johns with art by Brent Anderson and Ray Schneider. This took place during the Black S year after Our Worlds at War when Superman was mourning all of those lost during that epic battle and and replaced the yellow on his S-shield with a black one. I actually kind of liked it. I I mean, I was glad when they went back. But uh, I kind of liked the fact that they they did a whole year with it, because it it felt like he was really mourning that way. Finally, there was Walking Midnight, written by Joe Kelly and drawn by... Well, it looks like everyone. This was originally printed in Action Comics number 810, and is kind of one of those feel-good, why-Superman-does-what-he-does type of stories. There's also Lois and the Big One, from Superman Secret Files and Origins 2005. Now, I realize the reason they chose these stories is that they are supposed to be tales that represent the best of Lex Luthor, Lois Lane, and Superman, and for the most part, they do. The problem here is that most of these tales were originally published between 1999 and 2005. I'm curious why they didn't look at the previous, you know, 60 or so years of Superman stories for tales that better represented the mood they were going for. Still, it is an interesting trade, and there it sits on my shelf, or in this case, it's right next to me since I'm talking about it. And that is it for this month. Come back next time when I will choose another Trader hardcover to look at. If there's anything you would really like to hear me talk about, you can always private message me here at the homepage or contact Steve. And remember to check out From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast hosted by me and Jeffrey Taylor, where every week we look at another month in the life of 
the Superman that existed between Man of Steel number one in 1986 to Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. That usually drops on Thursday right here at the Superman homepage. And now, back to Stephen Neal. Thank you, Michael. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Super secret soundbite time. Last month's sound came from the Smallville Season 8 episode titled Bloodline, and uh, we've got four people guessing it correctly. Who were they? We had uh, Jim Bennett, Guthrie McLean, Nelda Moorman, and Ismail Perez. Well done, people. Let's, uh, let's see if we can get more people guessing which episode of Smallville this new sound comes from. I need you, but the world needs you more. So, if you think you know which episode of Smallville this sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and get your entry in. We'll read out the names of every person who guesses it right in our next Radio KL podcast. Superman Song Time. Okay, this month we have a song from a band called Sacred Hollow, who can be found on myspace.com slash sacredhollow. And their song is titled Lex. While the song doesn't actually mention the name Superman or Lex, the lyrics are inspired by the relationship between Clark Superman and Lex Luthor, mainly from the Smallville universe. So here it is, Lex by Sacred Hollow.
have it that's the show for another month um remember if there's an idea that you've got for the show maybe there's a topic that you'd like neil and i to touch on maybe you feel we didn't discuss something this month that you think we needed to discuss uh, you can send that idea in you can send a song idea in. you can send in a trade paperback idea for michael bailey to review uh, maybe there's a um a, a big question that you'd like to suggest all of these ideas and more can be sent in to us using the kal feedback form found at the Radio KAL webpage, and we'll endeavour to use those ideas in a future podcast. But for now, that's the end of the show. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Steve, and you stay class. It's a ticking time clock! Three, two, one! You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com.